This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson. Today, I'll be discussing how the mind and body hold and heal stress and pain with chiropractor, Dr. Greg Schruer. Dr. Greg Schruer is a chiropractor, kinesiologist, and coach. He specializes in helping people overcome mental and physical overwhelm that's stopping them from finding balance and creating long-lasting health and living a full and purposeful life. He helps people overcome the obstacles, limitations, and challenges, keeping them from accomplishing their goals and dreams. Welcome, Dr. Greg Schruer, to this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. Oh, it's a great pleasure. And Dr. Greg, you're more than just a chiropractor. You do lots of different things. But what led you into being a chiropractor? It's an interesting story. Uh, I don't know how interesting it is, but I originally, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a medical practitioner. And so I wanted to be a, a traditional doctor, modern medical doctor. And I wasn't able to get into the course at the time. And so I took a year off to try and figure out what my steps were to potentially get into medicine. And I'd never been exposed to chiropractic before, had no clue what it was. Um, but I knew that it could be a bridge to becoming a medical practitioner. Right. So I decided to venture into chiropractic as my course yep. uh, at uni. Um, but I'm very grateful that I made that decision because about three weeks in, uh, we learned a lot of philosophy behind chiropractic. And about three weeks in, uh, the philosophy behind chiros and what we do just made so much sense to me. That I was like, oh, I've got to keep going with this. Mm. I still had this idea that I was going to be a medical practitioner somewhere, maybe after my undergrad, I was going to transfer across. But then by the time I got into my master's, uh, medicine was not of interest to me any longer. Um, I really just ventured down a completely different rabbit hole. And now I'm here where I'm now, now I'm, now I'm uh, right here doing all the stuff that I'm doing as a consequence of all of that. Yes. And as I was reading through your website, you do a lot of um, complementary therapies, I guess we call them or alternate therapies, some people would say, which make sense of why you've moved away from the medical model per se, um, still being a chiropractor, though with that angle that um, it's a lovely holistic approach you seem to take with acupuncture and kinesiology and sacral cranial work, um, all kinds of wonderful things. Mm, I mean, I love looking at the body as a whole piece. I think one of the challenges in modern medicine is is modern medicine philosophy doesn't look at the body in that way. Mm. That's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just their approach. Mm. Um, but I prefer personally, I prefer looking at the body from that perspective, just based on everything I've learned through Chinese medicine principles and Ayurvedic medicine and you know, stuff that's been around a lot longer than modern medicine has been. And it just makes, it just makes sense. It might not seem logical how everything connects to everything in the body, um, but it does. So based on what I've observed and what I've experienced, so I like to treat the body that way, but my main my real main area of interest when it comes to the, the human body is really the brain. I love the mind. I find the mind fascinating. Um, and I personally believe that 
uh, our brain and our interpretation of what we perceive and then how we respond to all of that has a huge impact on our physiology and our biochemistry. So uh, the, I guess if we've been dealing with something for a considerable period of time and we have an imbalanced perspective on that, that's triggering a stress response in the system over time, that's going to lead to biochemical changes over time. That's going to lead to structural breakdown over time. It's going to create these problems. So I kind of like looking at it from the head down rather than from the body. In, mm. if that makes sense. It does. Very interesting. And neuroscientists have established the mind-body link now for a long, long time. So Correct. I guess that area of medicine in some regards looks at the mind-body link. Um, as a clinical registered hypnotherapist, I very much believe that what the mind perceives, it believes. Uh, that's Correct. that's my training. And, you know, many people, in fact, increasing numbers come to me for hypnotherapy and a lot have physical or Ill, illness conditions um, that we're working on from that mindset um, backwards. Whereas you, of course, would receive a lot of people with the physical illness looking for the physical approach. Um, is it hard to open people's minds to the idea that the link is there between the mind and the body? So thankfully, yes, it would be. It depends on the practice that you're in. So when I first graduated from uh, chiropractic school from Macquarie, I was exposed to, in my final year, I was exposed to a practitioner who does kinesiology, so deals with how stress and emotion affect the body. And I was very fascinated. I was fascinated by this concept. I'd never seen it in chiropractic school because they weren't teaching that teaching it. And so I went to see him as a patient for a problem that I had, the traditional chiropractic couldn't fix and physio and whatever else couldn't fix. And I was just blown away by how the mind can have such an impact on how the body expresses itself. And so I went and studied that and I landed up working in his practice. And his practice is very uh, integrative. So it's an integrative and function med functional medicine practice. So lots of different techniques. So the acupuncture you mentioned, kinesiology, cranial work, um, amongst many others. We've got full dispenser of herbs, vitamins, and minerals. So I kind of went into that practice, which made it easy for me really to be able to do the stuff that I love. Because most of the people that either came into the practice on their own or referred by other people had a fair idea that we were going to be working on stress and emotion. Yeah. So even though they may have come with physical challenges, they had this awareness at least or this insight that we might travel down that road. Mm -hmm. So the barrier to entry for them uh, was a lot lower because of the practice that I'm in or was in. And I guess we should explain even what chiropractic work is, let alone kinesiology. Yes. <laughs> so how, how would people know? Who would know when they need to come and see a chiropractor? Oh, it's a good question because chiros and physios are often um, kind of push, uh, put against each other, mm. uh, but we do very different things actually um, at our base, at our core. So chiropractors traditionally are um, spine doctors in essence. Mm -hmm. So we focus on all the bones of your spine. We do other work with your joints and the rest of the body, but our primary focus is spinal correction. So if you think about um, like a neurosurgeon or a neurologist, more than neurologist, more brain, more neurosurgeon or orthopedics, which is more spine and nervous system related. Yep. We're like that just in the um, more holistic space. Mm -hmm. 
So we adjust joints, we restore uh, neurological function to all different parts of the body through the chiropractic corrections that we do to the spine. Mm-hmm. Some chiropractors like myself, we do work around the cranium, so work around the skull uh, to take some pressure off the brain so the brain can function a bit more optimally. So anything to do with the nervous system, we're focused on. Yep. Physios, in comparison, uh, tend to do less of that. Not to say that they can't do that, that's not their primary focus. Yeah. Their primary focus is more rehabilitation. It's more muscles in relation to bones rather than bones and the impact it has on muscle. There's been a bit more of a push, I guess, in the physio world, more towards adjusting and correcting bones to assist with muscle balance. Um, that's really kind of our wheelhouse because that's what we specialize five years doing. Yeah. Um, so that's really what chiropractic focuses on is alleviating impact on the nervous system. And then kinesiology, I guess my um, experience of that is that the body holds the memory of various things that we experience. Is that a a good explanation? Yeah, totally. I mean, we process emotion up in the brain, but we feel everything in the body. Mm. No one feels sadness, happiness, joy, depression, anxiety inside their head. (laughs) We feel it inside the body. We can process it and cognize it up in the brain, but we don't feel it in the brain. The brain has no sensory innovation. You can do surgery on a on a on a patient a wide awake on their cranium and they won't feel a thing. So all sensory innovation is below the head or in the face, obviously, but below the brain. And everything in the body is you, we feel everything in the body. So from a kinesiology perspective. Kinesiology is a technique that are, that is designed to, uh, I guess, remove the impact of stress or resolve the impact of stress or emotion on the physical body. And oftentimes, when we talk about stress or emotion, people tend to, on a general, in a generalization, from a generalization point of view, tend to think of emotion and stress as this woo-woo stuff. Yes, like stuff that's in the ether um but the truth is that's not the case and you may obviously know this um stress and or emotion is chemistry it's just chemical changes inside of your body mostly governed by your adrenal glands and obviously there's some other stuff in terms of the neurochemistry like serotonin and dopamine that have an influence um but if we get stressed challenged we get triggered our body releases cortisol and adrenaline into the bloodstream the more we're triggered by whatever it is in our awareness, the more we dump that hormone into the body, into the bloodstream, that affects the gut, mm-hmm. which is where all the building blocks of your brain chemistry are. Yeah. So that's your serotonin and dopamine and various others. Plus, that that adrenaline and cortisol that can't break down fast enough, some of it hangs around in the body and actually creates inflammation and pain. And wherever there's weakness in your physiology, in your body somewhere, from genetic, in, term, in terms of like maybe having a genetic issue, or you've injured yourself, or whatever the case might be, that's where toxins go. Toxins always go where there's least resistance to them going. Mm -hmm. Because the body's always going to try and protect um, healthy tissue from toxins. But if there's no protection, that's where they hang out. And that just creates more problems, more injury, more pain, more inflammation. And so kinesiology is really designed to help alleviate the impact of that on the physical body so the body can repair itself faster. So it releases the stress in the body part. Yeah, it allows the body to, well, it allows the brain to downregulate the response. So if the response is downregulated, the body can't dump adrenaline and cortisol into the system anymore. 
And any excess adrenaline and cortisol in the system then can, can then be broken down because you're not having this excess that's continuing to be pushed into the bloodstream, into the body. Yeah. And my experience of kinesiology was that there was a memory in the muscle or a part of the body that the kinesiologist was able to somehow read. And then I was then able to release that stress emotionally that then mm -hmm. took the load off the body part. Is that kind of what your patients experience? Yeah. So we usually, we use a technique called NET or neuroemotional technique, which is specifically designed for chiros because of the way um, we correct, we do the correction at the end of this, at the end of the, uh, the treatment. Um, but yes, a patient would come in with a problem. We'd uncover what the current emotional trigger is around whatever that problem might be. And then there's a process just like we would do in hypnotherapy as an example, you can kind of go back in, in time, so to speak, mm. um, to where that triggered response might have started. Yep. And it could be when they were five, it could be when they were 10, it could be when they were two. It doesn't really matter. It's just whenever it started for them. Mm. And the goal really is to help them resolve the discomfort, the emotion, the perceived trauma that they may have experienced in that moment, which can help the body calm that down. So when we're dealing with the trigger in our current reality, the brain and the body is not activating an old memory. Mm -hmm. We're not stuck in an old pathway thinking that that's what we're going to experience, that that's what's going to be the outcome, that that's going to be the pain again. And it's just to try and resolve that so that people or patients uh, can live in their current reality, not in their mind or in their body, stuck in their history. Yes, Yes. And as you say, you know, being stuck in our history and stuck in our pain rather than facing it and resolving it means we're stuck in our lives. Correct. And we can't move forward. Mm. And and yet people, of course, uh, try to avoid their pain. I guess that's a, a human instinct. Correct. People generally prefer pleasure over pain, which is why you've got a lot of industries around the world that supply pleasure with our pain. Yes. Because we don't like experiencing challenge. We would rather take the drug or drink the soft drink or smoke the cigarette or take the or, or um uh, drink the alcohol, whatever it might be, we'd rather navigate towards those spaces because we have learned and we've been conditioned to believe also through the advertising around all of this stuff that it's going to alleviate discomfort. It's going to make things pleasurable. It's going to bring us joy to our life. I, I mean, I remember I'm 41. So I remember uh, when I was younger, when I used to go to the movies, I used to have uh, ads in, on the, in the movies for cigarettes. I don't know if you remember any of that stuff. Oh yes. And there were ads. Uh, the one that I remember was for Rothman's. Um, one of the cigarette brands and the ad was about being on this yacht in the middle of the ocean everyone looked delighted and happy and life was great with a cigarette in their hand mm -hmm. and that's basically what human beings seek we seek that pleasure we don't want we don't want the pain it's hard for us to confront it it's hard for us to resolve it it's hard for us to own it sometimes um, and so really my focus is to help people embrace both sides of reality because we can't just have one without the other nature won't really allow that anyway um we're governed we're governed by both sides our body has both sides simultaneously working together you know every single cell has 
positive and negative ions pushing waste out of the cell, nutrient into the cell, the exact same moment. Mm. Um, the heart sends blood around the body as it receives blood from uh, wherever it's from the rest of the body. So we can't have one without the other. We need both, actually. And the more we seek pleasure without the pain, the less we grow. The more we stay, we stagnate because it's like someone giving us a cuddle and holding our hand and it keeps us, keeps us a little bit more juvenile. So the challenge actually helps to propel. It helps to get people out of their comfort zone. It helps people expand. It helps people take action. And it's good to have both. Absolutely. I think it's a very Western kind of notion to stay in the light or the positive and perhaps more the Eastern cultures have explored the notion of pain being part of reality, part of life. And there's a wisdom in that for all of us, I think. Correct. Well, the Chinese, you know, their their whole theory behind acupuncture is yin and yang. Mm. It's a balance. Same in Ayurvedic medicine, they've got a different approach, but it's yin and yang. It's a balance of opposites. If you don't have the balance of opposites, you can't get healing. Yeah. And that's the that's five and a half thousand years behind Chinese medicine and how they practice. So they can't have that wrong if they're still doing it. <laughs> and it seems to be working. Uh, are you finding more people are seeking um, these um, modalities? I think more so since COVID, actually. Yeah. More so than prior to COVID. Mm. COVID really changed uh, the health landscape quite a lot. It didn't initially. Initially, people were just scared that they were going to die from getting COVID because of the way it was um, the way it was positioned globally. And then I think what really changed things in terms of the health landscape was when Omicron happened, because uh, then everyone got sick. Yeah, and and it didn't really cause major issues in the big scheme of things as much as everyone thought it might. Because I guess we. You know, when we got all of this stuff dumped on us from whoever, human beings are very selective about what we hear. So we chose to hear certain aspects of what we were told. Plus, being in isolation and, you know, less pollutants in the air, people were valuing their health in very different ways and were spending more time and energy on their health and money on their health. And we're starting to see changes and starting to see some different outcomes. Plus, I think also people losing their jobs and, uh, financial challenges occurring for a lot of people. A lot of people started reaching out yeah. to health practitioners, whether it's um, hypnotherapists like yourself or psychologists, psychiatrists, coaches, chiros from a slightly different perspective. Uh, people just started venturing down that road. So I think there is definitely more openness than there used to be. Still challenging in some ways, but more openness than there used to be because I think COVID just changed the landscape and it changed people's perspectives on the, of themselves. And there's just a lot of things that happened during that time that's really shifted people's value systems and their directions. Yeah. That's just my observation of it, at least. Well, there's there's a lot of research findings that people have turned back to their themselves and their inner lives and health would be part of that. And that's a good outcome, I hope. COVID definitely drove people to focus on themselves more. Absolutely in all areas, not just their health, like their families, their careers and work-life balance, a lot of things changed. Yes. And so from your point of view as a coach, which is also what you do, uh, you must find a lot of people are wanting to direct their lives in more positive ways as well. Correct. Especially because of what's happened in the last two and a half years. Mm. 
people, you know, have, like I said, you know, they're spending more time with self, spending more time at home, more time with family, connecting into who they are more deeply because they have the time, they have the time to actually do that because everything slowed down that allowed people to be more present, which wasn't, which hadn't happened for a while in our history in this way. And that kind of gave people an opportunity to investigate what they might want to do or where they want to go. or They were forced to change direction because of uh, different stipulations from government. So like they're forced into new spaces and new places. And that's kind of given um, coaches like myself an opportunity to guide them along this new road because there's a readiness for it. Yes. And, that readiness uh, seems to present in some of the ways you discuss that people are sick of being bullied or sick of the work that's no longer meaningful, um, but the self-worth may not be there yet to reach for right. something that they really would in their heart love to do. And you've been very open about being bullied as a child and you've done some mm-hmm. amazing work for children and teens. I guess that may be related to how and why you empower people, is it? Definitely. I mean, uh, for a big percentage of my childhood, I had to contend with, we're going to use bullying as a label, I had to contend with bullying as a kid. Um, It did kind of continue on into my early 20s, early 20s to late 20s, actually, in various other ways. Dreadful. And I... For me, I always wanted to understand why this was happening. I didn't. I, I'm, I'm a I'm a problem solver, so I, I always like to dig under the surface and understand the mechanics of everything. And I just wanted to understand why is this happening to me? What am I doing, or what am I not doing that's leading to this outcome? And thankfully, when I was around 29, I landed up meeting one of my mentors, who I use a lot of the tools and strategies that he developed actually when I'm coaching people now. Um, and I did a lot of work on the bullying stuff through a lot of the methodology that I learned through him. And I started to figure out why this was happening to me. Like it became very apparent. There were two reasons that were revealed to me. I'm not sure if this is true for everybody because I haven't, I haven't gone that big into working with loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of people around this issue in this way. Yeah. Um, But what I've observed for me, at least, is that I got bullied for two reasons. One, I was overprotected by one of my parents more than I was challenged by one of my parents. And I didn't have enough challenge in my family dynamic to balance that equation out. Uh So anything that doesn't get balanced in the family dynamic starts bleeding into the social dynamic. So then I go to school overprotected. So addicted to being supported because I got it for a big percentage of my childhood, got challenged by kids who don't get that to the same, who didn't get that to the same degree that I did. Yeah. And then I went home being victimized in my mind by what happened. And my parent who overprotected me just praised me more and reprimanded them and said, don't worry about them. You're better than they are. So two things happened. I, Oh, through the overprotection, I lost my power because yeah. um, my parent was trying to protect me from their, their wounds, actually, that they hadn't resolved yet. Yeah. That was the first thing. And the second thing, because of all the praise that I got, it made me passively arrogant on the <laughs> inside. So I thought I was better than everybody. Yeah. 
And so, you know, with you know, based on the law of magnetics and the law of attraction and all these laws, these universal laws and laws of physics, I like that I'm a part of because we're part of nature. I unconsciously attracted these people into my life to one, humble me, tell me realize I'm no better than they are, to put them in my heart rather than to put them in a in put them in a hole, so to speak, and to put mm-hmm. myself in a pedestal in relation to them. And also they're trying to teach me to take own my power, which mm-hmm. um even though my parents or my parent was doing the best they could to help me navigate a situation, what they didn't realize through their actions is they were disempowering me. Yeah. And I got so addicted to needing that support throughout my life that even when I went into relationships with women, that's what I looked for. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until I got divorced from my previous wife and I realized, oh my gosh, this is what I've been doing. I've been trying to be in a relationship with some variation of my mother, really, because yes. she's the parent who have protected me. It's commonly of uh, generally females more than males because of the nurturing aspect. Yeah. And I was just seeking that out constantly in relationships until I realized this is not good for me. I don't want to be in a relationship with my mom like <laughs> for the rest of my life. That, that's super weird. <laughs> so thankfully, through the work that I did with my mentor, I was able to see all of the stuff, own my power again. So own whatever I perceived the bullies had that I didn't mm. and realize that I had that as well. As just yeah. the way I expressed it might have been differently, different to them. The forms were different. Um, also to over, also to own the support that my mum was giving me, so I didn't need it from her. I could get it from myself. Yes. But I did like a whole bunch of work to take ownership of all of this to the point where I'm very grateful for what I went through. I wouldn't change it for anything because I learned so much about this dynamic, and I learned what really was holding me back from growing. And it wasn't necessarily my mom. It wasn't necessarily the bullies. It, like those are just they kind of actors in the game of my life i was holding myself back because in the big scheme of things i just i was afraid to deal with conflict i was afraid to deal with the challenges of life and the guidance that i was getting at the time although doing the best that they could to help me was not balanced guidance so that's what i learned so i just learned to be imbalanced yes. and i learned to attract imbalance attract imbalance I, I had no choice really in the matter um, and so now I love helping people break through that because mm. I, I, I know that there's no way you can't break through it. And I also know that your bully or your calendar or whatever is your greatest asset. Yes. And if you learn to love their contribution to your life rather than chastise them for it, you'll be grateful that they, they helped you because no one else was doing it. Obviously they had some unconscious wisdom in there to assist you to, to grow and, Rather, rather learn that lesson and own it and be empowered by it so you can move forward than be a victim of that history, which I didn't want to be. I wasn't, wasn't interested in being a victim of my history. I wanted to master my life. And, and I wanted that, to learn how to do that. Yeah, and that's a great example of embracing the pain, the suffering, to find the happiness, the freedom, and the empowerment. It's a totally. great example. The, the negatives that we so often perceive to be negatives really are part of the life as you said, in the balance and totally. Yeah. Create you know, one of one of the things that I've learned around positives and negatives, they they're illusions really of yes. the conscious mind. Yeah. They're not real. And the, the rest of the brain doesn't work that way, as you probably know. Mm-hmm. The subconscious mind doesn't 
work in positives and negatives. Neither does the unconscious. Everything just is. It yes. just exists. So it's the conscious brain that differentiates, but that it's important because it helps us understand life and the world we live in, the matter that we're in. Um, but it also convinces us oftentimes of things that are not true and completely incorrect. And yes. can take and then we take these actions and go down this road that lead us more into pain actually and less into where we want to go. That's right. Because we're trying to avoid all that discomfort. Yeah. And we're holding on to the discomfort. And it's ironic Correct. that you have to actually go into the discomfort in order to release it. It's the only way. Yes. It's the only way to move out of pain is to embrace it. That's it. It's it's quite a um contradiction isn't it that people come to us for healing and we have to take them into their pain in order to heal them and the very thing they don't want and they resist is the pain correct i often say to them i say to them you know you want to get the results you want to get but the more you don't want to confront the discomfort you're in the longer it's going to take yes if you want to get there faster all you're going to do is sit in your little kayak on a river let let the stuff come to you my job is to help you work through it and help you the perspective around it so you can neutralize yourself around all this stuff but so then you're in the current of your life and then you get there way faster because you've got way less resistance coming at you that's it like logically it makes sense right but when we're in our emotions it's very hard to connect with that because there's this there's just like resistance that we feel so deeply inside of the body so like acknowledging that and, and going in that direction. And sometimes that's the biggest hurdle is to overcome that. But once that's overcome, usually, then the process becomes a bit more of an easier, an easier, um, well, the transition to that process, I guess, is a lot easier. Absolutely. And so your uh, summit that you ran, the youth summit of the be who you want to be. Yes. Uh, did you just run the summit once or is that an ongoing process? No, I did it once. It was, I think, in 2013 or 14, somewhere around there, maybe around about there, 2014 or 15, 15, 14, 15, somewhere around there. Um, so two reasons. There were two reasons why I ran that summit. I didn't know that at the time. <clears throat> the first reason, which was the reason that I thought I was doing it, was to help all these kids yes. and to help parents understand how to navigate bullying. That was the uh, that was the original reason why I did it. The unconscious reason, really, is I was trying to heal something mm. in myself. Yep. And the whole concept around be who you want to be and the business that I was trying to build beforehand, and then the summit, which is kind of a piece of it, was all really about helping to resolve that for myself and helping. And in some ways, there was probably some unconscious, selfish motive to learn from all these professionals. Yeah, to understand all the different ways that they could empower people and help them grow. Uh, I'm grateful that I did it because we got some really great content out of it, and a few people got a little bit of benefit out of it. Um, but uh, afterwards, I realized it was more for me than it was for anybody else. Isn't that the great truth of of so much of what we do that we really are gaining so much from it from it for ourselves, even when we're giving people? Of course, I mean. We don't learn without experiencing. Yeah. That's it. Ourselves. So that was part of the main reason why I did it at the time. And then I kind of ventured away from Be Who You Want to Be. In fact, I 
completely ventured away from it because I did a lot of work again to resolve those bits and pieces. And in some ways I've kind of come back to the whole bullying component to a degree in terms of the way I coach now. I don't necessarily say I'm an anti-bullying specialist because that's, I don't really want to position myself that way. Um, but I, what I focus on is helping people who are holding themselves back from pursuing their purpose. Yes. And whether they've been held back themselves or they perceive others are holding them back, my job is to help them break free of that because that's what I did. Mm. And that's what others helped me to achieve. And so now I want to kind of pass on the, you know, pass on the knowledge, pass the torch on um, and help people achieve the same outcomes or outcome that I've achieved and am achieving. Wonderful work, Greg. And people can find you in the eastern suburbs of Sydney if they want to yes. you as a practitioner or a coach. Yeah. Or if they non-local. So I'm not sure where your where your reach is, if it's just locally in Australia. If people are listening to this and they're in different parts of the country, I can do coaching non-locally. So I don't have oh. to be in the same space. We can do it on Zoom, uh, FaceTime. I've got lots of strategies that I can help people with that don't need me to be hands-on in order to help them get the results that they want. Wonderful. Well, this podcast is international, so people can go to your website, which is? So it's gregshrewer.com. It's G-R-E-G-S-C-H-R-E-E-U-W-E-R, and that's a lot of vowels, dot com. <laughs> um and you can connect with me there. You can send me a message on there. You can find me on Instagram as well. Um, a lot of people contact me through Instagram. So it's Dr. Greg Schreuer, so same spelling um, on Instagram. And you can DM me there if you have any questions or anything you want to know, if you, or you'd like some assistance with whatever you're dealing with. Um, I'm more than happy to offer my help. And all those links are in the show notes. Greg, yes. one of the questions I'm asking all my guests is, what makes you psyched for life? Oh, gosh, I think that would have been different pre-COVID. But COVID really irritated me a lot. Uh -huh. And it brought out um, like a strong desire to make a difference on a global scale. Yes. And so there are a couple of things that I'm working on behind the scenes to really shift the fear pandemic that we're really in more so than anything else. And to really help people understand the value of self-care and self-ownership and self-empowerment and how they can lead to better healing, better financial outcomes, better family dynamics, social dynamics, etc. And so I'm really psyched about the work that I'm doing in developing and building that, which hopefully, hopefully within the next year or two, we'll be providing value to at least Australia to start off with. Uh, but my objective is to be global with this particular um, avenue that I'm traveling down within the next five years. How so we've got like three three phases to get there. Phase one will most likely be up and running within the next year. Phase two within the next three, and then hopefully phase five within the next. A uh, phase, sorry, phase three and phase two in three years. Phase three, um, hopefully within the next five to ten max. But um, five is my goal. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Greg Schur, so much for being a guest on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. If anything discussed in this podcast has caused you concern or distress, contact your general practitioner or health provider.
To locate a psychologist in your area, call the Australian Psychological Society and locate Find a Psychologist Service on 1800 397 or visit www.findapsychologist.org.au. If you or someone you know is in crisis, Lifeline is available 24-7 on 13 11 14 and Kids Helpline, again 24-7 on 1800-55-1800 and both are free of charge. To find out more about me, please visit my website, dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes. The opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me.